Day 146 of 365, the Bible Challenge with Abby Joy. Psalm 68, verse 1 to 6. Rise up, O God, and scatter your enemies. Let those who hate God run for their lives. Blow them away like smoke. Melt them like wax in a fire. Let the wicked perish in the presence of God. But let the godly rejoice. Let them be glad in God's presence. Let them be filled with joy. Sing praises to God and to his name. Sing loud praises to him who rides the clouds. His name is the Lord. Rejoice in his presence. Father to the fatherless, defender of widows. This is God who, whose dwelling is holy. God places the lonely in families. He sets the prisoner free and gives them joy. But he makes the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. John chapter 16 verse 5 to chapter 17 verse 5. But now I'm going away to the one who sent me. And not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because what I have told you. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is valuable because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. There is so much more I want to tell you, but I, but you can't bear it now. When the Spirit of Truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said, the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. In a little while, you won't see me anymore. But in a little while after that, you will see me again. Some of the disciples asked each other, what does he mean when he says, in a little while you won't see me, but then you will see me? And I'm going to the Father. And what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand. Jesus realised they wanted to ask him about it. So he said, are you asking yourselves what I meant? I said in a little while you won't see me. But a little while after that you will see me again. I tell you the truth. You will weep and mourn over what is going to happen to me. But the world will rejoice. You will grieve, but your grief will suddenly turn into wonderful joy. It will be like a woman suffering the pains of labour. When her child is born, her anguish gives way to joy because she has brought a new baby into the world. So you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. Then you will rejoice, and no one can rob you of that joy. At that time you won't need to ask me for anything. I tell you the truth, you will ask the Father directly and he will grant your request, because you use my name. You haven't done this before. Ask using my name, and you will receive, and you will have abundant joy. 
I have spoken of these matters in figures of speech, but soon I will stop speaking figuratively, and I will tell you plainly all about the Father. Then you will ask in my name. I'm not saying I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you dearly because you love me and believe that I came from God. Yes, I came from the Father into the world, and now I will leave the world and return to the Father. Then his disciples said, At last you are speaking plainly and not figuratively. Now we understand that you know everything and that there's no need to question you. From this we believe that you came from God. Jesus asked, Do you finally believe? But the time is coming, indeed it is here now, when you will be scattered, each one going his own way, leaving me alone. Yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart, because I have overcome the world. After saying all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so he can give glory back to you. For you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. Samuel chapter 17 verse 38 to chapter 18 verse 30. Then Saul gave David his own armour, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them, so David took them off again. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them into his shepherd's bag. Then, armed only with his shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. Goliath walked out toward David with his shield-bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. "'Am I a dog?' he roared at David. "'That you come at me with this stick?' and he cursed David by the names of his gods. "'Come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals,' Goliath yelled. David replied to the Philistine, "'You come to me with a sword, spear and javelin, "'but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, "'the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. "'Today the Lord will conquer you, "'and I will kill you and cut off your head.' And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with a sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. So Goliath moved closer to attack. David quickly ran out to meet him, 
Reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The the stone sank in and Goliath stumbled and fell face on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from its sheath. David used it to kill him and cut off his head. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they turned and ran. Then the men of Israel and Judah gave a great shout of triumph and rushed after the Philistines, chasing them as far as Gath and the gates of Ekron. The bodies of the dead and wounded Philistines were strewn all along the road from Shararim as far as Gath and Ekron. Then the Israelite armies returned to plunder the deserted Philistine camp. David took the Philistine's head to Jerusalem, but he stored the man's armour in his own tent. As Saul watched David go out to fight the Philistine, he asked Abner, the commander of his army, Abner, whose son is this young man? I really don't know, Abner declared. Well, find out who he is, the king told him. As soon as David returned from killing Goliath, Abner brought him to Saul with the Philistine's head still in his hands. Tell me about your father, young man, Saul said. And David replied, His name is Jesse, and we live in Bethlehem. After David had finished talking with Saul, he met met Jonathan, the king's son. There was an immediate bond between them, for Jonathan loved David. From that day on, Saul kept David with him and wouldn't let him return home. And Jonathan made a solemn pact with David because he loved him as he loved himself. Jonathan then sealed the pact by taking off his robe and giving it to David, together with his tunic, sword, bow and belt. Whatever Saul asked David to do, David did successfully. So Saul made him a commander over the men of war and appointed an appointment that was welcomed by the people and Saul's officers alike. When the victorious Israelite army was returning home after David had killed the Philistine, Women from all the towns of Israel came out to meet King Saul. They sang and danced for joy with tambourines and cymbals. This was their song. Saul has killed his thousands and David his ten thousands. This made Saul very angry. What's this, he said. They credit David with ten thousands and me with only thousands. Next they'll be making him their king. So from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. The very next day, a tormenting spirit from God overwhelmed Saul and he began to rave in his house like a madman. David was playing the harp as he did each day. But Saul had a spear in his hand and he suddenly hurled it at David, intending to pin him to the wall. But David escaped him twice. Saul was then afraid of David, for the Lord was with David and had turned away from school. Finally Saul sent him away and appointed him commander over a thousand men, and David faithfully led his troops into battle. David continued to succeed in everything he did, for the Lord was with him. When Saul recognised this, he became even more afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David, because he was so successful at leading his troops into battle. One day, Saul said to David, I'm ready to give you my older daughter, Mirab, 
as your wife. But first you must prove yourself to be a real warrior by fighting the Lord's battles. For Saul thought, I'll send him out against the Philistines and let them kill him rather than doing it myself. Who am I and what is my family in Israel that I should be the king's son-in-law? David exclaimed. My father's family is nothing. So when the time came for Saul to give his daughter Mirab in marriage to David, he gave her instead of Adriel. He gave her instead to Adriel, a man from Meholah. In the meantime, Saul's daughter, Mishal, had fallen in love with David, and Saul was delighted when he heard about it. Here's another chance to see him killed by the Philistines, Saul said to himself. But to David he said, Today you have a second chance to become my son-in-law. Then Saul told his men to say to David, The king really likes you and so do we. Why don't you accept the king's offer and become his son-in-law? When Saul's men said these things to David, he replied, How can a poor man from a humble family afford the bride price for the daughter of a king? When Saul's men reported this back to the king, he told them, Tell David that all I want for the bride price is a a hundred Philistine foreskins. Vengeance on my enemies is all I really want. But what Saul had in mind was that David would be killed in the fight. David was delighted to accept the offer. Before the time limit expired, he and his men went out and killed 200 Philistines. Then David fulfills the king's requirement by presenting all their foreskins to him. So Saul gave his daughter, Michal, to David to be his wife. When Saul realised that the Lord was with David and how much his daughter, Michal, loved him, Saul became even more afraid of him and he remained David's enemy for the rest of his life. Every time the commanders of the Philistines attacked, David was more successful against them than all the rest of Saul's officers. So David's name became very famous.